Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me today in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. And we want to continue with this that we have been looking at, uh, Don't Believe the Lie. And uh, the, the Lord has given us a pattern to go through with this. And uh, he has dealt with us, first of all, that we're not to believe the lie concerning ourselves. We ministered two sessions on that, uh, the first one and the second one. And then uh, we're to not believe the lie concerning the word. And the last few have been on not believing the lie of, uh, of the enemy, the world, people, whatever the case may be, uh, concerning the word. And now we want to start and, and, and hit on uh, a little, I don't know how many services this will take. I know it will take today and tonight. Uh, on the plan of God. Don't believe the lie concerning the plan of God. The plan of God. Whatever form it may take is the will of God for the life of the believer, the plan of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, uh, the King James Bible says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, the Amplified Bible talks about it being planned beforehand, uh, them being good paths that we should walk in. You can see it there. Uh, we've been born anew that we may do those good works that God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Important words, planned beforehand for us, predestined those things, taking good paths that he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live in. And so we see then that, that God has a plan. And when we say a plan, it's not just an idea. It's not something that God thought about. It's a plan. A plan is written. A plan is prepared. A plan has solidity to it. In, in other words... The Bible says this in the book of Psalms, that all your days have been written. Now, now, here's what that means. That means the plan of God for every person has been written. Every person won't walk in it. Some people cut their lives short. Some people just do their own thing uh, without the acknowledgement of God. But because you acknowledge God, it's good gospel news to know that the plan is written. It's there, right? And, and I can walk in it. I can walk it out. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, I'm older, and I feel like I've missed so much. Come on, come on, come on. The plan hadn't changed because of your age. The plan hadn't changed because of where you missed it or somebody else missed it. It's still written. But I spent so many of my years of my life doing my own thing, but you're not anymore. See, there's where the enemy, there's where the enemy plays games with, your, with the plan for your life. Well, I've wasted too much time. Says who? 
Did the Holy Spirit tell you that? Is there a verse for that? Did God speak to you and tell you that? Well, no, Pastor, you know he didn't. Then why are you acting like the plan's done? Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Yeah, I don't care if, if I don't care if you're 80 years old and you you spent 75 years not doing what God wanted you to do. Make the last however long of your life everything God wanted you to do. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I won't do as much. It's not about doing as much. It's about doing what you're capable of doing right now. Oh, hallelujah. Do do you see that? I I had to learn this all those years ago about the plan of God, that, that God has a plan. Because you'll hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. Well, you know, I'm called to preach. Well, what does that mean? We're all called to preach. It means I'm called to proclaim the gospel. That's, that's what it means. Everybody's called to proclaim the gospel. Well, there's a call on my life. What does that mean? I mean, what's the call? You called to dinner? Called to supper? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not making light of anybody's calling, but I'm saying, well, I'm called. Called what? What do we call you? Bill? John? Bob? I mean, what are you called to do? Well, there's a plan for what I'm called to do. Amen. And, and all those years ago, I had to, number one, I had to commit to the plan. I had to commit to that plan. That you, and once you commit to the plan, then you've got to, you can't be distracted. You've got to stay single-minded about the plan. This is what you want for me, and I'm going to stay single-minded about that, and I'm not going to be distracted. All right? Hallelujah. No, I'm, I'm not going to be distracted away from the plan that you, that you placed in my life. When, when I knew what God wanted me to do with my life, it became a pressing into that. E- everything else was peripheral, and it, and it wasn't an issue. All right? What's, what's going on beside you is not the circumstance. It's not the issue. It's the plan. What's the plan? Uh, amen. Secondly, I had to pursue the plan. And I'm not, I'm not going to oh, spend more time on these points tonight, but I had to pursue the plan. There had to be a pursuit of it. All right? The, the plan is there. It can be mapped out in front of you, and you can know the plan, but the plan will never f- gain its full momentum in your life until you're pursuing it. I got to pursue it. That has to become, that's, that's why we read these verses about Paul's determination. And he said, I press towards the mark. What's the mark? The plan of the high calling, the plan of God in Christ Jesus. So he was constantly pressing towards the plan. What is the plan of God for my life? And then I had to pray out the plan. And that's something that's ongoing because every plan has different levels. Every plan has different dimensions. Every plan has different levels because you start in one place in that plan, but that plan's going to mature. And so it's got, it's got to be this ongoing, I'm praying out the plan of God. Hallelujah. Do you, do you see that? Amen. There, there, there was, there was uh, uh, fasting involved. And, and, and the time I was using in fasting, I had to use it for focusing. Okay, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm giving God this time. Now I've got to focus on the plan of God. I've got to focus on what he wants because God will start 
with just giving you something that is an indicator of where you're going. Well, the revelation of that, the full revealing of that's up to me. Because God never reveals everything in one glance. He's got to get us to the place, we've got to get to the place where we're pressing into, okay, God, what do you want more here? What, how, do I, how do I see this? I've got to pray it out. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you're praying, it's, it's often. You're praying early. You're praying often. You're focused on the plan of God. What does God want to do? And then the pursuit. It, it was constantly, constantly on my mind of what, what does God want us to do. I only want to do what God wants us to do. And remember, distractions are not all bad things, but they get your attention. A distraction is not a bad thing, but it can get your attention off the plan, whatever it may be. You, you remember, uh, Paul made the statement when he was talking about, uh, uh, for instance, a man and a wife uh, pursuing some things, and they set aside some time to fast, and he said, you know, when the fast is done, make sure that you come back together uh, in, your, in your life and in your intimacy so that Satan doesn't tempt you. Well, what's the indicator there? But I, for a time, I'm saying, I'm putting these other things to the side, and I'm going after this. I'm not doing away with those, but I'm, I'm going after this because this is, this is the issue. You know, if you're here this morning and you're single, in my mind, and I believe according to the Word of God, you need to spend less time worrying about a person coming into your life and more time focused on the plan of God for your life. Well, I'm, I'm just lonely. Well, go to the one that said he would never leave you and never forsake you, right? And get the plan firmly entrenched. Because when you're in the plan of God, then the people that come into your life it's more easily recognizable if they'll commit to the plan with you. If, if you don't know the plan for your life, then somebody comes into your life and you don't know if they're going to commit to the plan with you. Do, do you understand that? But, but So I can't be distracted. Well, he or she, they're, they're so good looking, but are they with the plan? Right? Amen. That, that has to be the issue, and, and that's with anybody. Your friendships really revolve around the plan of God for your life because there are people going the same way. They're pulling the same way you are. What the Bible say? do not be unequally yoked. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean a, a short yoke and a long yoke? No, it means that, that, that both of those, that indicator is that those oxen are pulling separate directions. They're unequal. They're not pulling the same way. That's unequally yoked. And people always put that in, in the terms of marriage. Paul put it in the terms of our relationships. Amen. D does that make sense? Hallelujah. Now, now see, there's... there's a. a Illustrations I have, like pastors traveling too much. I, I have a good friend that uh, recently, well, I say uh, probably a year or so before the pandemic, uh, he had a church in a certain city, he had good church, thriving church, growing church. 
And, and people started recognizing his gift. And he started traveling all these other places. He'd be gone. He'd be gone two or three weeks out of the month and, and out of town and overseas and be gone for uh, months and weeks at a time. And it started hurting his church. Amen. Well, people say, but, but he had a gift to a pastor. But other people were getting blessed. Well, sure they were because he had a gift to teach the Word of God. Still has a phenomenal gift. But here's the thing. He said this. He made this statement. He said, being gone so much hurt my church. That first church eventually closed and closed in a big way. Now, I'm not putting him down. He's a good friend of mine. But what I'm trying to explain to you is what was the issue. He got distracted from what? The plan. Was preaching wrong? Mm-mm. Was traveling and preaching wrong? Mm-mm. But it wasn't the plan of God for him. That's so important. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? In, in the days of the voice of healing, there was a, a, a man. He stood at the forefront of the prophet's ministry and tremendous prophet of God. But he, he, he didn't have a teaching gift. He had more of an evangelistic gift, operating that prophetic gifting and more of an evangelistic gift. But he wanted to teach the Word. He wanted to teach. And Gordon Lindsay traveled with him at the time. And he told him, Brother Lindsay told him, he said, don't try to teach. You're not a teacher. Now think about the men that were traveling with him. F.F. Bosworth was traveling with him. Other men of great teaching ability were traveling with him. And he said, let them teach. You just do the evening services and flow in your gift and let God move. He wouldn't have it. He wanted to teach. Well, he got off into an watch, an office that didn't belong to him, and cut his life short. Because understand where the protection's at in the plan. Understand where the productivity's at in the plan. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with this. That's okay. There's probably nothing wrong, but is it outside the plan? I'm taking a minute to kind of lay this out for you. And so the, the issue is, was what he was saying, was what he wanted to do wrong? No, but it wasn't the plan for him. It wasn't the plan for his life. Amen. Do you see that? And, and he got off doctrinally, and he got off theologically, and he got off in where... where got outside the Word with some things. Hallelujah. But notice, the plan of God, this verse, Ephesians 2.10, applies to every believer. So every believer has things that are planned beforehand, right, predestined, that God has planned for them to walk in. How do we know that? The first chapter of the book of Ephesians says that this book is written to the saints that are at Ephesus. So it's not just to one person or two people, it's to the body of Christ. And Paul states, notice number one, that we're God's own handiwork, his personal handiwork. Hallelujah. His workmanship, my life, my talents, my abilities. Amen. Don't don't ever sit around and wish you could sing if you can't. God didn't put that in you. That's not what you need to be doing. I mean, that, that, right? Oh, I'd just love to be able to sing, but you can't. So it's not part of the plan. Amen. Amen. Right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Or or whatever it may be. Well, I'd like to do this. Is that part of the plan? 
did God in His own personal workmanship of you place that in your life? Because if He didn't, I'll pursue something that's outside the plan. Oh, hallelujah. Your most successful ventures have been those things that you're bent towards, not just naturally, but bent towards spiritually because of the plan of God in your life. Amen. Because there's where the giftings come. The giftings come for the calling. Glory to God. Then he said, we're recreated. Born anew in Christ. Aren't you glad? Amen. But then he says, for what reason? So we may do those good works that God predestined and planned beforehand. That's the plan. So God, God, God created you. God recreated you for the plan. Amen. So that's the reason we were recreated in Christ. To do the good works that God predestined. For us to do the prefix pre, of course, it means before, just simply means beforehand or before. And then the word destined, I like this word destined because it means appointed by previous determination. And then it means fixed unalterably. So the plan of God for your life was appointed by his previous determination and it is fixed unalterably. In other words, God will never change his mind about the plan he has for you. Amen. Well, well, what if I miss it? What if I haven't been doing what God planned for me to do? Then you got to go to God, number one, and repent, and then ask him, is this still the plan, or what's my next assignment? If, if, if God had a church for a pastor to pastor, if God had a work for someone to do and they wouldn't do it and somebody else comes and starts doing it, well, then they've got to ask God, what's my next assignment? I repent for missing that one. What's my next one? Oh, hallelujah. See, this will keep you safe. I've never had a desire to be anything but a pastor. Not because opportunities haven't come. Not because, not because it hasn't been there and been available. Right? I, I finally told people no so much about preaching engagements, they don't call me anymore. And I don't care. See, your ministry will take off when you don't care. And what does that mean? When I don't care if I'm seen. When I don't care if I'm heard. When I'm not worried about the church downtown hearing me or the church across the city hearing me or the church in another state hearing me. I just want you to hear me. Because that's the plan. Does that make sense? Oh, glory. What we're created in Christ to do is fixed unalterably. That just means God's plan for my life won't change. It just, it, it's not going to change. So the plan and the purpose for a person's life is, number one, it's in the mind of God. And... Secondly, it's revealed to you gradually. It's in the mind of God, and it's revealed to you gradually. It's progressive with a narrowing goal. All right, It starts off here, and it narrows as it goes up. And eventually, you're doing the exact thing God called you to do. But there's the preparation phase. 
So God reveals those things to us gradually. All right? There's, there's no need to try to, to try to want to know what's 10 years down the road. Just get what he's saying right now. That's, that's the key. Oh, hallelujah. That, that's the pursuit of the plan. Don't, see, don't get in a hurry. Because uh, that can open doors to the enemy when you get in a hurry. You, you'll get ahead of God. You'll get sidetracked. Don't, don't get in a hurry. We sing the song, don't get in a hurry, just settle down and wait. Just settle down and hang on. Yeah, but I, I want to do this and I want to do this right now. I understand. But don't get in a hurry. Hallelujah. Because the devil fights to stop the plan. And in order to stop the plan, he has to stop the individual that the plan is assigned to. All right? He fought Paul at every time. Paul said, a great door, we'll read it in a minute, a great door and effectual is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Well, what were they fighting? Fighting Paul. Why? Because of the plan. He fights you to stop the plan. That's why I'll go back to it. That's why it's so important that you have people around you that are pushing towards not maybe necessarily the same thing that you're called to do, but their mind is on the plan of God. Because your adversaries are not necessarily the devil per se, sometimes as much as they are people that you're sharing the plan with and they have no desire to pursue the plan. Amen. If, 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 if you're married in here, uh, and, and, and let's say you're a gentleman, and you're married to a powerful woman of God, a woman that preaches, a woman that is called with a preaching gift on her life, you've got to be a strong man. Because that, that, that's the plan of God for her life, to preach, to teach. Right? Amen. You don't want to be a detriment to that. I've known preachers before that, that, that they were not the dominant preaching gift in the couple. And because they were not the dominant preaching gift, it caused them a problem. Because the wife operating in that gift made them feel inferior. This is important. God could have blessed that ministry immeasurably if God could have cause more anointings and more giftings to come into that man's life if he would have just supported the plan. Amen. I've told you the story before. I had a lady tell me, came to the church and told me, standing right back there about where Sister Doris is, right about there, and she said, "Uh, uh, I didn't come to this church because of you. Okay. I like your wife's preaching better than you. All right, me too. Well, how'd that make you feel? What do you mean, how'd that make me feel? She's here. You're getting the word. That's what counts. What did Paul say? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. 
He said, there are people that are saying, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and even some that say, I'm of Christ. He said, it doesn't matter who got you born again. It doesn't matter who you heard the the gospel through. It is God that's doing the work. See, so whoever, whoever God's using, is it in the plan? Oh, hallelujah. Is it in the plan? And then you speak about the plan. You talk about the plan. You develop the plan. Hallelujah. Where is the interest level at? Oh, glory to God. Amen. So he wants to stop the individual. Then he stops the plan. Now, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's, that's why it's more important that you attach yourself to spiritual people. And that is the criteria more than anything else. Yeah, but he's just so dreamy. But is he spiritual? Because if he isn't spiritual, he can turn into a nightmare real quick. Won't be a dream anymore. Well, Pastor, that's simple. I know, but I've seen it time and 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 time again. Pastor, in these churches, I've seen it over and over again. Somebody with a call of God on their life, some men and women, somebody with an anointing, somebody with a gifting, and, and somebody will come along. When God wants to bless you, He sends a person into your life. When the devil wants to distract you, He sends a person into your life. Never changes. Never changes. And, and you've got to be, number one, spirit-led, and you've got to be cognizant of what's going on in the spirit, and then you've got to have the plan in the, in, in the forefront of your mind. Amen. Can I share an example with you? When uh, Pastor Michelle and I, uh, we, weren't, we weren't dating. Uh, we, we didn't really date much before we got married. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying we didn't uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, there was a, 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 a young lady in the church and her mother. <laughs> Jesus. And they were forevermore setting up events to get me to. I remember one time I went to dinner. They invited me out to eat. And I, I, and I went because we had church at 2.30 on Sunday afternoons. And so it, it was afterwards. And I went and I sat down. Mama had saved me a chair. And, and uh, I went and, and sat down, and, and uh, next thing I know, she said, excuse me. And she excused herself. I, I need to go to the ladies' room. And, well, then daughter came and sat down. Well, you know, I mean, daughter was nice. But I recognized something. Daughter isn't the plan. Now, remember, Pastor Michelle has, we, she has our two oldest kids. We got married with a ready-made family. She, she can't just go out to eat. I'm, I'm single. I can go out and, you know, hang out and do whatever. She can't. But see, I had something in mind. Right? I, I remember one time we, a bunch of us young adults, we went bowling. And so we're walking out of the bowling alley. And I'm talking, have my buddy over here. And, and, and this girl's walking over. Maybe she was over here. I forget. It doesn't matter. But uh, the point is, I, I'm walking out and we're talking. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody grab my hand. 
You say, what did you do? I just looked at her like, what are you doing? Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. Something plenty wrong with that. That's not the plan. Well, Pastor, was she pretty? Very pretty. Was she nice? Extremely nice. Not the plan, though. I say not the plan. Why? Uh, you you want to know why? No giftings, no callings, no anointings to help move forward what God wanted to move forward. It would have been an anchor. You follow me? You, y'all would have never known me. Well, why? My boat would have never got out of that pond. Right? I'm telling you, I hope I'm helping you. you you got to make sure that the people that you bring into your life, that they're pulling the same direction you're pulling. Amen. Do, do you see that? Oh, hallelujah. And she wasn't the only one. One, night, one time we had a, uh, uh, it was, our church was in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, not too far from Nashville. And so if you had any singing event, I mean people showed up. And if you invited any wannabe Singers. I mean, you'd have 50 of them show up. You didn't have no problem with music. And, and they were good. Everybody was there wanted to be a star. You didn't walk through the mall singing. People think that you were trying to get discovered. But there, there was a lady there, and she came, and, and she ministered. And, of course, I ministered in song. I was part of the church. She wasn't part of the church. She, she knew the church. She knew people that went to the church. And so uh, after, after the service, you know, uh, 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 I, was, I told my parents, they, they were the pastors, I'd shut off the lights, and, and Pastor Michelle and I were going to go out and get something to eat. And uh, she was waiting for me out on the, the upper part of the parking lot. And so uh, I shut all the lights off and, and locked up the doors and was coming out the side door and came out the side door, and lo and behold, here's this lady, old enough to be my mother, waiting on me. Now, I'm not telling you this for you think, I think... I'm not thinking that the enemy had the plan in mind. Hallelujah. You know, pretty people will commit adultery with ugly people and not know why. Because the enemy's after the plan. Well, why in the world would she commit adultery with him? The plan. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not calling her ugly or me ugly. I'm just saying. I, I, but here's the thing. I recognize right away, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is not the same spirit. And she, she said, uh, I really enjoyed your ministry tonight. I said, well, thank you. And she said, I'd like to give you the opportunity to travel with me. And you could do the young people's services. And you and I would travel. And I said, uh, well, thank you, but no because I'm pretty busy here. Amen. And then she turned around and saw Pastor Michelle standing over there. You remember Pastor Michelle's only been married, uh, saved about a year. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to get the cats untangled here. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Ooh. I didn't want to be that ball of yarn between two cats. But, but here's my point. I'm so glad she stuck around 
because she was driving her car, I was driving my car. We knew where we were going. Normally, she would just go and, and we would meet. She just stuck around. Why'd she just stick around? She, because she knew. We've talked about it. it. It got in her wavelength. I need to hang out. I need to wait on him. Why did that happen? Well, because she's going to be your wife. Mm-mm. She was focused on the plan. What God wanted me to do mattered to her. Amen. See, this is so important. When, when you start making decisions, based on looks or based on opportunity, you, you, you can get outside the plan of God. Amen. Did, did you see that? That's, that's so important. Even though the plan is fixed unalterably. It's fixed. But who I allow access. Access is so important. If you don't allow access to your home to just anybody. Right? At least you shouldn't. Why? That's your home. That's, that's your sanctuary. Right? That's your private place. That's the steel home. That's the wilder home. That's whatever your last name is. That's where your family is at. And, and it's, right? And there are people that you have, now I want to say this right, that you have shut out of that access because they don't want to go with the plan. Right? Everybody say out loud, it's the plan. See, this is what God has foreordained. This is what God has created you for. You don't ever want to come short of what God created you to do. I commit that to the Lord all the time. I was talking to my wife the other day, and, and I was just talking to the, every day of my life, every night of my life. I tell the Lord, Lord, I commit and I receive your plan. I receive your plan for my life. I receive your plan for my life by faith. I receive your plan for my life, nothing wavering. I receive your plan for my life, sight unseen. Lord, I don't know everything that you're going to do or everything that you want to do, but I receive it. I commit to it. I take it right now. Amen. And I, I told the Lord and my wife, Lord, I don't care. I don't care if you have me driving uh, uh, Highway 40 and 49 for the next 20 years. I don't care. I'm committed to it in the name of Jesus. It's the plan for my life. I'll have ministers tell me, I don't understand how you can do this. What do you mean? It's the plan. Well, I can never do it. It's not the plan for you. Don't worry about it. Well, that guy don't understand how I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, don't expect him to. It's not the plan for his life. Have you ever seen a mother with five kids? Anybody? And it just looks easy? Right? She got one strapped on. Right? Got two by the hand and one trailing. That's only four. I don't know where the fifth one's at. Four kids. Right? And I've had people say, dear Lord, I could never deal with all them kids. I know that's why you don't have any. You're struggling with the one you got. Don't have any more. That's not the plan. Right? It's like the guy that comes and says, I feel led to be in children's ministry, but I don't like loud noises. No, you're not him. No. Because all you got to do is get a bunch of little girls happy and you're going to have loud noises. Right? 
The other day, Lily came running through the living room. It was like, wow. <sighs> right? I mean, like, inside voice? How about whisper voice? Do you understand what, what I'm saying? Some people... I knew a lady that she just wanted to have kids, have kids, have kids, and she did. And their family was great. Their fa- it was wonderful to watch their interaction. She was a stay-at-home mom. She homeschooled the kids. She didn't work outside the home. It worked out perfectly for her. But there are ladies in, under the sound of my voice. You have outside ambitions. You love your children. You love your grandchildren. But six of them at home all day long, just you and them, not going to work. Well, what's the difference? The plan. Am am I making sense? The plan. Oh, help me, Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, did you find it? Verse 7. That's what I was talking about, right? 1 Corinthians 12. See, this is so important. Yeah, but pastor, I'm lonely. It's better for you to be lonely in the plan. And that loneliness can be fixed. Then it is to bring somebody in your life that's going to cause you heartache. Right? If Listen, God can help a failure. He can't help a quitter. If you fail, God can help you. If you quit, He can't. If you make a mistake, repent. If you make a decision, you've got to live with it. I've known people that went through a divorce. Well, you know, I I made a mistake. Now, did you repent? I did. I I repented. I'm not just talking about for the divorce. I'm talking about for anything that you did that caused it. Did you repent? Yes, I repented. Okay, now go on. And don't make a choice to just go get somebody because let me help you, men. Women are not changing. And if you didn't take the time to learn how to live with the first one, they didn't change. Ladies, men are not changing. If you didn't take the time to understand the first one, they're the same. Men have four basic needs and women have four basic needs. And I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just trying to explain to you. It's not a different face, different body, different look that's going to make things different. It's getting the one that's in the plan. That's what's what's going to make the change. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'll glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, obviously, this is not like someone to say that uh, God gave Paul this thorn so that he wouldn't be too prideful. It's not what it's saying. He says, because of the abundance of the revelation, the abundance of the revelation that was coming to Paul, the enemy assigned him a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Why? What did I tell you earlier? 
to get to the plan, you got to stop the man. Hallelujah. I'm glad Paul didn't stop. Because we got the revelation of who we are in Christ from him through the Holy Spirit. But notice what he said. He said it was sent to buffet him, to, to knock him around, to knock him down, to beat him up. It was the devil's attempt to stop the plan. Notice it was a messenger of Satan. Hallelujah. The, the message is going to be exalted to places of higher exposure. And the only way the enemy can do that is to stop the man. Because everywhere Paul went, there was a revival. Everywhere Paul went, the Bible talks at some point about the whole city giving ear to what he was saying. Why? It's that revolutionary. Remember when the word first came into your life, you couldn't get enough. Everything about you was changing. Everything you saw in the Word of God was about you. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm separate. I'm holy. I'm, I'm set apart. I'm blessed. Everything that you saw, wow, that is just so meaningful to me. Why? The Word was changing your life. The, the people that Paul preached to experienced the same thing. And notice, Paul said three times he asked the Lord to remove the messenger. And his response was, my grace is sufficient. Now, religion teaches it this way. Just hold on, Paul. It'll all be over in a few days. My grace will get you through. Like, grace is kind of a painkiller. You know, the thorn's still there. But I took a pain pill, so not that big of a deal. That's not what he's saying. Grace, when you look at that, at that word, he said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, you already have what you need to deal with this. Use my power and my ability to deal with it. That's what grace is. Charles Capps gave the greatest definition of grace that I ever heard in my life. He said, grace is God's power and God's ability on your behalf, even though you don't deserve it. And when you look at the definition of grace, that's a, a very good definition. The Woos Bible says, he has said to me, and his declaration still stands. Aren't you glad it still stands? In, in the book of Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was, uh, was dealing with the enemy, over and over again in the Weiss translation, the original Greek, Jesus said this, it is written and presently on record. Why does that mean? Because there are things that can be written and are lost. Everything God wrote is presently on record. Oh, glory to God. So he said to me, it still stands, my grace is enough for you. Why? For power, moment by moment, coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weakness. So notice what he says. He says in the Woos Bible, he says power, moment by moment, is coming to its full operation in your life. Because you've come to me, and you've said, I can't do anything about this. In myself, I can't do anything about this. And God says, okay, that's great, because now my power can work in your life. When God presents the plan to you, you're going to see your shortcomings. You're going to see your failures. You're going to see why you can't do it. In that moment, you just got to depend on God's grace where the plan is concerned. Because it's not about what you can do or what you can't do. 
It's not about your failure. It's not about what you did or didn't do. It's about what God said about you. What If God knows everything about you, He knows all your shortcomings, He knows all your failures, He knows all of your great attributes, and still yet, He called you to the plan He's called you to. You know what that means? Very simply, I can do it. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that good news? So God provided Paul with the power to overcome and complete the plan for his life. Hallelujah. So right now, I have the power to overcome first and then complete the plan for my life. Yeah, but God said this. Well, if God said it and you know God said it, what does that mean? God said it. This is not grace in the religious sense. It's referring to grace as a power, as a force that will give you the victory and aid us in completing God's plan for our life. It's a force. It's a, it's, 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 it's a presence in my life. God's grace. It's not just, it's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not just God's grace in that I understand this is not me. Listen, God's helping all of us more than we know. All of us, everything that we do. When you sit down at your desk, at your job, please remember that God's helping you more than you know. Amen. Well, you know, I'm really good at my job. God's helping you more than you know. It's His grace. I mean, just just go in there and try to do it one day without Him. Amen. Now, I don't suggest you pray this way, but my dad, back when he was a, a young minister, uh, dad's in heaven, of course, today, always had a great healing ministry in, in his ministry. And one day, uh, uh, now, again, don't pray this way. I'm not suggesting you pray this way, but just for sake of, of, of sharing with you, he prayed, and he said, Lord, what would it be like to try to do ministry without your anointing? And the Lord said, for the next week, you'll know. He couldn't preach. Couldn't. See, because people say, well, you know, I've always been able to stand up in front of people and minister. Really, just try to do it without the anointing. You can't. He, nobody he laid hands on got touched. No presence, no power of God. Well, we're not moved by what we feel. He said, Lord, what would it be like not to have the anointing? If you don't have the anointing, I don't care if you're going by what you feel or not. You don't have nothing. Nothing. Even if you have faith that somebody can be healed, if there's no anointing to back it up, you can lay hands on people from now till dark, and it's just dead hands on a dead head. Get about as much anointing out of my hands as you get out of that doorknob. <laughs> but the point is, a week was enough. Okay, okay, I see. See, God's helping us more than we know. Right? He had to tell Paul, Paul, there's more help than you realize. Hallelujah. That same grace resides in us to do all God's called us to do. Now, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, 
I just, Pastor, I just wish I could do what so-and-so's doing. No, you don't. You just need to focus on what you're supposed to be doing. You know, that's really childish. That's an immature way of living. Children look at what other people have and want it. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but I've had this experience. You know, I've raised a lot of kids, and, and they might go over and spend the night with somebody. And they, they'd always come back, and somehow there would always be some, somewhere in some little thing, something where, boy, I wish we had it like they got it. Well, they were only there a night. My kids did that at a lot of people's houses, except for Pastor Marie's thing. They, she had a spiked belt. <laughs> you have to ask her about that story. She ran my son off her house, and Kathleen picked him up running down the road. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should have let you beat him with that bell. I, you know, I <laughs> oh, glory to God. But, 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 but my point is, isn't, isn't that the way it is? Remember when you used to go to Grandma's house for the summer or Grandma's for a week? It was great. Well, they had planned for you to be there that week. They didn't have anything planned. It wasn't like that regularly. Right? If you stayed any longer, you got chores. Take out the trash. I had to go to Grandma's bean patch. Talk about my definition of nothing to do. My, my grandmother was nearly in her 80s, and, and she had a bean patch down at, Clint, at, at a, a Kratis Marshall's house. Kratis was my cousin on the Marshall side, my grandma's side. And every, every morning, if, you st- if we stayed there long enough, Every morning, Grandma would get up, she'd put on her apron and her bonnet, not a hat, a bonnet, and she'd fix our lunch, and she'd get her bag of bean dust, and we're going to go work in the bean patch. And it wasn't a little bean patch. It was, it was as long as this sanctuary and probably as wide. And you had to dust every plant, and you had to take a hoe and weed the bean patch. Amen. That was my idea of nothing to do. Let's go swimming in the creek. Let's go down to the dairy freeze and get a cone. Well, we're going to go get a cone later. We got to dust the beans right now. You, do you understand what I'm saying? I am not a bean farmer. I have no aspirations to be a bean farmer. If you want to be a bean farmer, go farm your beans. I'll eat your beans but I'm not going to farm them, right? When, when somebody looks and says, boy, I wish I could do that. No, you don't, because what you're doing, number one, you're, you're getting into this idea of covetousness. I, would, I think what he's doing is more important than what I'm doing, and you're minimizing what you're called to do. What you are called to do by Almighty God is the single most important thing in your life. What somebody else is doing is great. That should be the most important thing for them. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I wish I could do what you do. No, you don't. You want to do what you're supposed to do. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians 2 and verse 13. For it is God. Boy, those are powerful words. For it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Whew. The Amplified Bible says, not in your own strength, for it is God 
who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. What's he explaining? The grace of God. It's God that's working in you. God's at work within me. To do what? To will and to do his good pleasure. He's given me the power and the desire to do what he's planned for my life. Amen. So not only get God's, you, you, let me say it this way, you only get God's help with God's plan. If you start doing what you want, you're on your own. You get God's help with God's plan. When my pastor started, well, not when he started the Agape Church, they were in the, uh, uh, a storefront on Barrow Road for three years. And then they, they moved up on 701 Napa Valley and started clearing the land and, and building. And uh, after they'd had the, uh, the church built and they were in it, and, and, but the waterproofing wasn't very good on the basement. And every time it would rain, the basement would flood and he would walk down those steps. And one day he was down there and he was looking at that and he said, Lord, I'm so tired of this. He said, I, I thought we'd be done with this in a year. And the Lord said, you put that year on it, not me. You put that year on it. You decided to put that, that will be done in a year. He said, I never said that. Well, why, why is that important? Because people look, well, I surely thought by now. Well, you thought that. Now, now right, if, if you get over into that line of thinking, you're on your own. I got to walk it out. The plan requires a walking out. It requires you taking the next step in everything that you have to do. You just got to walk it out. Remember what I said? You got to be patient. It comes gradually. Don't get in a hurry. There are things we're walking in now that God spoke to us 20 years ago. But we're just walking in them now. Well, why did it take so long? What do you mean? 20 years ago seems like yesterday. What do you mean it took so long? It didn't take very long at all. Well, it took 20 years. I know, but how often do we say, boy, 20 years just go by like that? Seemed like it was just 20 years ago. It was just yesterday. Well, now, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways. You can't have 20 years just seems like yesterday. Man, well, dude, God took a long time. 20 years. It's not a long time. It's better to wait 20 years than to get into something on your own. Hallelujah. To go after another plan is to struggle. That, is, that means struggle because I'm going after another plan. Well, this is what I've always wanted to do. Well, you've got to take the time and ask God what has he always wanted us to do. And you might have to go to God saying, now, Father, this is what I've always wanted to do. But if it's not what you want, I'll change. In uh, Philippians 1 and verse 6, you're right there. Being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. So notice this. What God began, he'll complete. We are confident of this very thing, that if he began it, he'll finish it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, God, by whom you have been marked out in his purposes, is unchanging and will make it complete. That's the Bible in basic English. You've been marked out by God's purposes. He is unchanging. He'll perform it and make it complete. I like that phraseology because it says you've been marked out. In other words, there's a boundary around your life, and God has marked it out. And he's unchanging, and he'll make it complete. So the plan for your life is God's plan. It's it's energized and powered by God's ability. God began the work, and God will perform the work. And I've just got to stay with what he said and stay with what he's doing. Come what may, ever, ever what may happen. Amen. The devil wants you to focus on your failure, your mistakes, your inconsistencies, your lack of ability, your lack of talent. Well, that's where grace comes in because it's God that's working in me. Now, Philip. Hallelujah. If you missed it, repent. It's just that easy. You, you know, I've told you this over the years. What's the way out? Repent. That's it. If you missed it, repent. If you made a mistake, repent. If you sinned, repent. Hallelujah. One of the greatest acts of faith is when you missed it, and you've repented, then you get back up and act like you're righteous. One of the greatest acts of faith you'll ever take. Because you never quit being righteous. The call of God did not transfer off of your life because you made a mistake. It also didn't transfer off of your life because somebody else made a mistake and made it hard on you. Amen. Do you you see that? If you missed it, just repent. Lord, I repent. I change my mind. I confess. Lord, I missed it. That's where I missed it. I wasn't wasn't doing enough. I didn't do enough. I I, I wasn't pressing. I I backed off or whatever the case may be because it's God working in you. It's His plan and His power energizing you to do the plan. He just needs your willingness and your obedience. Amen. So God wants you to focus on that fact, that it is His plan. And that He is powering the plan. He's powering it. And that He will perform the work so you can complete the plan. Glory to God. I I was uh, talking one time, and, and, and I've seen this over the years. I was talking one time, and, uh, uh, you know, I only bring people to minister in our churches that are in the plan. And when I say in the plan, I mean specifically moving in the Word and the Spirit and believing the Word of faith. Now, that's me. That's what God dealt with me to do. Uh, but here, here's the point. I've had people say, well, you know, we don't have access to those type of ministers. Well, number one, you do. 
And number two, if I feel like I don't have access to that, I need to stay in the plan. If, if God told you, for instance, God told us that the vision of this church was to build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. That is the vision for the church. So then that's who you bring in. Who's going to do that? Whatever it may be. See, I can't, I can't sit and make excuses and say, well, I don't have access. I can't do this. I can't, I can't do that. i got to press into what God told me to do. If, if I can't bring people in that are going to minister the same way, then I just need to minister myself. Amen. So important. He'll perform the work so you can complete the plan. I just, I just got to give it over to him. This is what you want. This is the direction you want me to go. This is how you want things. I want to be in on the plan. What's the plan? Because that, that's, that's what the enemy fights. And again, he wants you to focus on your failures, focus on your inconsistencies. Well, you know, I've never finished anything in my life till now. It's got to be my mindset. Amen. Your lack of ability or talent. Well, the Bible says, I'm so glad the Bible says that God doesn't uh, uh, call the wise, many that are wise, many that are rich, many that are esteemed to have great talents and great abilities, but he's called the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use those others. He's used others in, in that realm greatly in days gone by and even today. But here's the point. He put that in there so you don't have an excuse. Hallelujah. Because I'll start wrapping up with this. The enemy will talk day and night to convince you to back off the plan. I, I knew one minister that the enemy used these two things to back him off the plan all the time. Finances and turnout. If the finances were not good, he wasn't in the will of God. If, if, if the turnout was a little struggle, he wasn't in the will of God. And I don't know how many cities he moved to, how many towns he left, how many churches he left. And the bottom line is he never achieved anything that God wanted him to do to the degree that he could have. Why? Because the enemy had found his button that he could push that would get him to focus on something other than the plan. Amen. Well, you don't, you, you know, if, if you were in the will of God, finances wouldn't be tight. See, I don't need to, I need to, first of all, establish the fact I'm where God told me to be. Now, if, if the finances aren't flowing, there's a bottleneck somewhere. I'm where I'm supposed to be. God funds the plan. God's not up in heaven crimping the hose. <laughs> you ever do that to your buddy, you know, when, 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 Back in the day when kids were put outside and couldn't come back in. And if you wanted to drink, mom would say, get the hose. You know, and they'd turn the hose on. You were always like, <laughs> maybe you weren't. I did. But it's not what God's doing. If there's a bottleneck, okay, Lord, where's it at on my end? 
Because you're not withholding. You said in your word, I will withhold no good thing from those that walk uprightly. So where's the bottleneck? Where is the crimp in the hose? God will show you. Why? Because he wants the plan to go forward. But if at the first sign of a little little issue, that person drops the plan and goes somewhere else, if God sent you to a city, that's where God wants you. If God placed you in a church, that's where God wants you. If, if God gave you a certain ministry, that's what God wants you doing. You don't let anything drive you away from what you know God wants you to do, where you know God wants you to be. Amen. But the first sign of finance, well, this isn't the will of God. It's not the will of God that we struggle. No, it's not the will of God that we struggle. But what are you going to do about it? Because here's what will happen. You'll go somewhere else, and there will be a change of scenery. And let's just be honest. There will be people that don't know you. There will be people that don't know some inconsistencies in your life. They've never seen your flesh. Right? And you're God's man of faith and power. God's woman of glory and victory. And they've never seen you tired. I'm I'm just helping you with this. And and it'll be, you're the new kid in town. Well, there are going to be people that come out, you know, just onlookers. They come because there's something new. You think they're coming because of your ministry, and they're just coming because you're new. When, we, when God first brought us here, I've got people who, that were here when God first brought us here. You couldn't find a seat. I'm not talking about present, the church present day. I'm saying in the beginning, you couldn't find a seat. I've got pictures of the pews just packed. And, and you know, a large portion of those people were not here because of the moving of the Spirit or because God was doing something. They had heard about something new. Right? And they wanted to come and see what was going on. And they got splashed with a little wildfire. They never came back. But, but the people that stayed are the people whose lives changed. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so this person would never just get in the plan and get in the lane and just stay with the plan. Because things grow when you stay with them. Planting the seed is the easiest thing in the world. The work comes after you've got to tend for it, tend to it. You got to water it. You got to cultivate it. That's the work. The seed planting was the easy part. Amen. There, there, there has to be. I talked to a couple Sundays ago about that stick-to-itiveness. Just do you have the the spiritual guts to just stay with what God told you to do? Because you can blame it on finances, but in reality, he didn't want to stand. He wouldn't commit to what God had told him to do. Amen. Glory to God. Do do, do you see that? I remember one time, and I'll close with this. This this sounds bad in the beginning and on a good note. You know, I I had a situation one time where... uh, Pastor Michelle and I, of course, we were, we were pastoring and pastoring here. And uh, I had some, uh, some leaders that just 
I don't know what happened to them. They just wigged out. You know, people do that sometimes. And uh, I do know what happened, but I don't have time to get into all of it. They started listening to somebody that was carnal. You know, if you start listening to carnality, you're going to start thinking carnal. And so over a period, well, it wasn't over a period. It was about in two weeks' time. I, uh, those leaders and their spouses all left the church and took $3,000 a month of finances out of the church. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you budget and you plan and you set up the way you're going to do things. Well, you know, that is what had come in, so that was the budget and the plan. And people say, well, what did you do? I quit taking a check. Well, how could you do that? What do you mean? What option do I have? Amen. Are we going to stay with the plan? I can't help it if people got carnal. Amen. I can't help it if people didn't care about what God was doing. Amen. It didn't bother me. It didn't hurt me. It hurt me because of the sheep. They didn't care what happened to the sheep. It didn't matter to them. Right. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, was, it was a no-brainer. Just won't take a check. Well, how long did you not take a check? Off and on for six months. Well, how would you make it? I believe God. Amen. Right? I stepped out into this ministry on the Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that says they that preach the gospel will live of the gospel. I stepped into the full-time ministry on that verse. It hadn't changed. Amen. Amen. Well, what do you do if people do whatever? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I do. I just get the word, and, and anything that I may have lost, I'll just go get it back because this is how I got it in the first place. Hallelujah. That doesn't change. Hallelujah. But you know what? We just got through that six months and started getting more money than we'd ever had. Amen. 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 Never missed a meal, never missed a payment. God's good to us. Oh, hallelujah. But what, what was the issue? What, what, what if I went to the Lord and said, Lord, now what's going on here? Uh, I don't deserve this. Father, I've been good to those people. I don't deserve this. Well, we probably wouldn't be here today. But I could go to God and say, Father, now look, none of this caught you off guard. Caught me off guard, I must admit. Amen. But none of it caught you off guard. So I thank you for the provision. Well, what started happening? People started sending checks. People started showing up. Wasn't really that big of a deal. Now, see, that's important because the issue is not are we qualified or are we anointed. The issue is can we stand? Because to every, everything that God's called us to do, there will come a time when we've got to make the decision, I'm, I'm standing for what God wants me to do. And that's how it's going to be. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand up today. Praise the Lord. I believe you got something out of the Word.